Welcome back to the Olive Tree Church Podcast. If you're new to this channel, we hope you find this content helpful and inspiring. To find out more about OTC, head over to our website or social media channels linked in the description. We hope you enjoy this past Sunday's message. Anyway, it is good to be with you this morning. You're very quiet this morning. Okay, well, welcome. Welcome to church. Uh, Before I get into it, I've been reading a book, uh, John Maxwell's 15 Laws of Growth, which has been unbelievably good for me personally. We've got a John Maxwell coach. Where's Leanne? Won't you stand, Leanne? Um, Look at this beautiful lady. You can tell you want to be around her. Because she's, she's just that person. So Leanne is going to be leading a John Maxwell course as a John Maxwell coach. Uh, it's, it's 15 laws. We're going to do it over six weeks from seven to eight. Here's the deal. Especially if you're in the corporate culture and you're, you're leading somewhere in your own business or corporate space, you want to grow with me as I grow with Leanne. On this course, it will be a blessing Seven to eight, tell your work to pay for it. No, it's free. Uh, but uh, just come along, it will be a blessing. And, uh, and having a coach like that is a real treat. But we are getting into part two of our identity series. I'm going to pray. Holy Spirit, come into this room in ways that shift people. In Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, as a parent... You know, when you have your first kid, um, as a Christian parent, if you're non-Christian, you're going to realize how weird we actually are. But uh, what you do when you have your first child is like you are praying over your child in the womb. You, you are declaring God's promises. We would play worship. The poor kid had to listen to Amy and me saying we're both tone deaf like it was bad. And we would just worship and we'd pray and we'd declare scriptures over, over Jordan. And then we both separately prayed and we felt like God was calling him a David David Hart, and so we called him Jordan David. I know we got the order wrong, but we, we, we felt like David was the name that would describe his spiritual pedigree and who he was called to be, and so we called him Jordan David. And, uh, and when, when Amy gave birth to him in the hospital, I don't think those nurses had seen anything like this because Amy would tell me, put on worship that song, and I'd play that song, and then she'd go into birth pangs. And, and then she'd play that song and she would be screaming out in worship. The nurses were like. And, and anyway, so that kid, I mean, he, if he doesn't turn out to be a worshiper, we've got issues because we put as much in as possible. And then, and then came along Grace and, um, and she was a girl. So I don't know that I could hear God on anything because I was just scared. And, uh, but anyway, Ames was praying for her and Ames felt like God kept putting the same word into her. His, uh, her heart for, for Gracie, that she would be a star. So we called her Grace Stella. Stella means star. And, uh, and when she came along, a little bit less worship, still a little bit, but, uh, and we prophesied over her. And then we, we had our third. It took us seven years because when God told us have a third, we just went, la, 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 we can't hear you. And uh, anyway, we, we had our third. And now this thing, if you're a parent, you know this, but this is truth. When you have your first child and the dummy lands on the floor, you like sterilize it before you put it back in. When the second one comes along, like there's a five-second rule. 
If it's down for five seconds, fine, put it back. Otherwise, give it a little spray. When you have your third one and the dummy falls on the ground, you pick it up, put it in the dog's mouth, and then stick it in. It's just like what happens by the time you get to your third. So uh, along comes Livy, and, uh, and so we kind of praying a little bit, but by now you're like chilled. Like, ah, oh, God's got this, you got this child. Anyway, eventually, Ames comes to me, she says, babe, I feel like God told me to call her Livy. So I'm going like, ah, oh, not such a bad name, okay. And we go, cool, we, I'm chilled. I mean, I'm looking after two kids, she's pregnant. It's just like, this is what happened. So anyway, we, we go in. And Livy's born, beautiful little girl. And, uh, and I just have a sense, like, this girl's going to be delightful. So that's all I have. Anyway, takes Livy, goes to Home Affairs to register Livy. And uh, the lady putting in her name, uh, her name is like the surf brand, L-I-V-V-I-E. The lady puts in Linvy. So, so Ames goes, no, no, not Linvy, Livy. She says, I'm so sorry, my supervisor's here, so I can't change it. So Home Affairs stole my child's identity. And, and for the last two years, she has been Linvy in, in the Home Affairs website. And on the 22nd of May next year, I'll be able to change it because that's how long it takes to get a, to get a, a, a booking for changing the name. But this is, this is the country we live in. They steal your identity. But, but here's where I want to go today. We live in a world that steals identity. And I want to preach about the Father's identity over you. In fact, when we started the series, we we're going to call it Identity Thieves. And, uh, but I just want to speak to you about who God says you are and the effect it has on your life. In fact, I called today, Identity, identity Determines Destiny. If you get your identity right, your destiny follows. So I'm going to read a text, and, and then I'm going to dive in. I want to say this. If you've been a Christian for a long time, you will hear some of the stuff that you think you know. And I want to tell you that I have met very few Christians who actually know it. They might have heard it, but know it. So listen carefully. And if you're not a Christian or a new Christian, I, I would love you to open your heart to a God who's been chasing you. So I'm going to read this text, and it goes like this. Then Jesus went from the Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. But John tried to talk him out of it, which is understandable. If you're John and Jesus is there, you're like, whoa. I am the one who needs to be baptized by you, he said, so why are you coming to me? But Jesus said, it should be done, for we must carry out all that God requires, or we must carry out all righteousness. Now, here's the, the big idea. Whenever there was a change or a shift in how God led his people, there was a river involved, often the Jordan. So, so Jesus comes to the Jordan River. He's fulfilling all righteousness because he's being baptized. It's a picture of what happens to Israel coming out of <coughs> slavery into sonship. And he's moving into sonship as a picture of what's happening in the spirit realm. So he, he says, it has to be done to fulfill all righteousness. So John agreed to baptize him. After his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and set, settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. 
Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. I remember the day I heard this text being preached by a guy by the name of Rob Rufus at Glenridge Church. And he said, this is my son is identity. Whom I love is acceptance and belonging. With whom I'm well pleased is approval. These three things you need as foundations to your life. If you do not have these three things, you'll be shaken and torn apart in life. I want to talk about my son. You know, how you, well, let me just backtrack a little bit. For the non-Christians, guys exploring, um, what, what generally happens is you get dragged to church by your wife or girlfriend or if you're a lady, by another friend. And, and they, they kind of go, you need this, you need this. And you then go, I'm choosing to go. And I just want to alleviate you of that. You're not choosing. God has been hunting you, dude. God has been coming after you. I know, because he came after me too. And he has been chasing you. And the fact that your heart melted enough to get manipulated into coming today is not a sign of you or your spouse. It's actually a sign of God coming after you. And the one day what begins to happen is God begins to break through. It generally comes between the first time you come to church and the third. Somewhere there, it happens. Although I've had one guy, he came to church for six years and then gave his life to Jesus. Just like slow delayed systems in there. But God comes after you. And when he saves you, you realize this has got nothing to do with me. This is all grace because I am way too faulty. That's what happens. That is grace. God saves you by grace. But then the second most important thing happens in your life. He begins to define you. The Father begins to tell you who you are. And when he defines you, it changes you. See, <clears throat> God says a whole lot about you. So this week we've been trying to bombard you with, with text. I want to show you some of the stuff on our social media that we just, this is the type of stuff that God says over you. You are the salt of the earth. Next one. You are the light of the world. Keep going. You are a worshiper. You are a disciple of Jesus. You are a fisher of men. Keep it going. Ah, full stop. Let me, let me, read, let me read a few other, others. You are God's child, for you're born again of the incorruptible seed of the living and abiding word of God that endures forever. You are forgiven of all your sins and washed in the blood of Christ. You are a new crea creation. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Now, let me tell you why this is so important. How you see yourself will determine how you live. You cannot outperform a bad self-image, okay? How you see yourself will determine how you live, what you do. If you see yourself as a hard worker, what will you do? You'll work hard. If you see yourself as a runner, you'll do stupid things like the comrades. You will run every morning. If you, if you see yourself as like a gym boss, you will train every day. If you see yourself as the salt of the earth, when you walk out during the day, you will bring flavor. If you see yourself as the light of the world, when you go into the world, you will bring truth where there's chaos and confusion. If you see yourself as called, as chosen, as anointed, you will walk into environments like I did. I went to licensing department on Friday. I saw <clears throat> big Afrikaans people very angry. And, uh, 
And so I walked into the one environment. Because I see myself as called and chosen and anointed, I just started saying, Jesus, bring your peace into this moment. Bring your grace. Bring your love. And I watched a very grumpy person who is about to serve me start smiling. You've got to understand how you see yourself determines how you act. And if you see yourself wrong, you will break yourself. So you know this because you guys are smart. But if you see yourself as a failure, you know how you'll act? Like a failure. You know how people will read you? Like you're a failure, which will reinforce your belief that you're a failure. And then you will live out your belief as a failure. And we go through this cycle. And God goes, come, I know you think you're something. I know you think you're black. I know you think you're white. I know you think you're Indian. I know you think that you're midlife and you're about to hit a crisis or you're too old or you're too young or you're this sexual preference or you're that sexual preference. He goes, never mind, just come here. Let me as your father redefine you and tell you who you actually are. Now, here's why this is so important. When God tells you who you are, you live differently. You want to know how you change? Let God define you. Because he's been doing this from the beginning. Right in the book of Genesis, he names Adam, but he tells Adam, you can name everything else. So Adam goes, giraffe, hippo, elephant. And then woman. Woman means helpmeet, one who comes alongside to compliment. But Adam names her Eve, and then she falls pregnant. Eve means mother of all living. You see, he names her, and then she lives it out. This is, this is the thing throughout Scripture. God sees Abram. Abram means exalted father. God looks at him, and he says, your name will no longer be exalted father. I will call you Abraham. The ha is from Yahweh. It's a ha. So he puts his name into the middle of Abram's name. And Abraham means father of a multitude. And then the dude starts producing. Took a while and then bang. He has a grandson. His grandson's name is Jacob. Jacob means deceiver or trickster. And Jacob lives out his name. He tricks and deceives people around him. He steals his birthright from his brother, his blessing from his brother. He, he just tricks everybody. And then he lands up with a dude by the name of Laban, an uncle. His uncle tricks him out of everything. And he just gets tricked, tricked, tricked. And he lives in this cycle of being tricked. Eventually, he runs away from his uncle. And he is so at the bottom of himself that he gets to a place called Jabok. Jabok means the place of emptying. He's empty now. And this most bizarre thing happens. In fact, if you're not a Christian here today, this is very weird. An angel comes to him. And the dude, I don't know, out of frustration, maybe the angel wanted to go. He grabs hold of the angel and they have a wrestle. And they wrestle all night. Now, I don't know about you, but I wrestle with my boy from time to time. And he's starting to get big. And it's so exhausting that every now and again, I just have to smoke him to end it. That's just where we're at. They wrestle all night. The, the angel is smashing the dude, but he won't let the angel go. And eventually the angel goes, Brew, time out. I've got to go back. And, and he says, what do you want? And, and Jacob says, I want you to bless me. 
So he gives what would be like the lamest blessing ever. He says, what's your name? And he goes, I am the trickster. I am Jacob. And the angel, which we actually find out is Jesus, says to him, no, you're not. Now you are Israel, the one who wrestles with God and prevails. And Jacob goes from a cycle of tricking and being tricked and living in pain into a cycle of blessing, and he begins to produce life. You see, this happens about 16 times throughout the Bible. God grabs someone, he changes his identity, and reshapes his life. Peter comes to Jesus. Peter is this like, dude who is so hot and cold. He, he, like traits of Julius. Like he is just angry, and then he's happy, and then he's sad, and he's just all over the show. And Jesus looks at him one day, and he says, your name is Simon, which means reed, blown in the wind. But today I call you Peter, and upon this rock, Peter means rock, I will build my church. And he redefines him, he renames him, and Peter becomes a different person. This is the power of identity. And the Father comes to you and me, and he goes, I need to change your name, which means I need to change how you see yourself. I need you to see yourself as I see you. Otherwise, you'll keep living in cycles of pain and heartache. I have a blessing for you. You know, when you see yourself the way God sees you, everything changes. When you see yourself as a worshiper, you wake up and worship. It just shifts you. Everything changes you. Now, I started thinking about this preach a long time ago during COVID. And uh, it started with all these guys from about 26, 7 to about 35 coming to me, one after the next. Our whole church was basically built with that age group, pre-COVID. Don't know who you lot are, but lovely having you. And they would come, after, come to me, one after the next, and they'd say, Ross, I'd love you to help me discern where to go and live. Like where to live and what to do. It's kind of the conversation. And so I, I would say to them, I didn't want to be that pastor who would go, has Jesus called you somewhere to go and plant a church? Because otherwise, put your butt back down. I, d I didn't want to be that guy. So I said to them, how's about we ask a better question? Instead of where must I go, because let's face it, they disappeared into other countries and cities. I said, instead of asking the question, where should I go? Ask the question, who am I called to be? Who has God made me to be? Because if you can answer the question, who am I called to become or who am I called to be, then you will work out where and what. But the better question is who. You have to get your identity first and then act from there because otherwise what you're trying to do is you're trying to work out your life based on either your income bracket or the group of people you hang around with. And Scripture's calling us to live differently, to be shaped by the voice of the Father. God says, this is who you are. And then he doesn't stop there. He then says, he's my son, whom I love, whose you are. You know, whose you are or who you belong to will determine who you get strength from. So when I was growing up, living in South Africa in my 20s, 
I would quite regularly have girls break up with me. And whenever a girl would break up with me, I would get in my car and drive for 15 hours with a two-hour stop at customs to go home to where I belong. And then where I belong would put my heart back together, and then I'd come back here. You go to where you belong to find your strength. My little girl, one of her friends, told her they were no longer friends. So she called me up from a teacher's phone and said, Dad, <laughs> I need you. You know what she was doing? She was going to where she belonged. Now you can tell whose you are, who you belong to, by where you go when the country's in looting, when economy's bad, when you get fired, when you get dumped. You can tell whose you are. If you go to your bank balance, then that's who you belong to. If you go to that group of people, then that's who you belong to. You can find out who gives you strength, and God goes, I want you to belong to me. You are mine, and I am yours. In fact, I took my little two-year-old the other day, and now that she can speak a little bit, I did what I've done with all my other kids. I grabbed her and I said, how much does dad love you? And she was like, so I went, this much. And then I said, why does dad love you? And she went, and I went, because you're mine. Because you're mine. And the father in heaven would go, because you're mine. This is who you are. Identity will determine your destiny. This is whose you are. Belonging will develop strength. And with whom I'm well pleased. I remember a day I was, um, <clears throat> I was playing cricket. And I was, I was playing to make the Zim team. And uh, it had rained a little bit. And some lame bowler bowled me the slowest bouncer that has ever been bowled in the history of mankind. In fact, I don't know how it bounced up to my head. And uh, this little like, spin ball bouncer, I swung at about like half a minute early. It was so slow. And then it bounced up and it hit me in the head. Now, it was so slow that it didn't hurt particularly much. But I got so angry. And so the next ball that came went for four. The next ball I went out. And I walked to the sideline and I knew this was it. This was trout. And I've just duffed it. And I, was just, I just wept. It was like I let my anger take control of that moment and I've lost my chance. And I was sitting on my bed just sniffing like 15-year-olds do. My stepdad walks and he opens the door. And he comes and he sits down. And he's silent. He just sits there. And I'm just like sniffing, trying not to look. And he says to me, my boy, I don't care if you make the Zim team or the C team. I'm proud of you and I want you because you're mine. And the Heavenly Father is looking at so many of you who got stuck in alcohol, stuck in porn, or stuck in something stupid. And he's going, you think my approval comes because of what you do? 
My approval comes because I've made you so funky and weird and wonderful, and I love you because you're mine. And I've been looking for you and for a relationship with you from the beginning of time. I want you. Approval is about being wanted. I don't want to be that oak in the family who everybody tolerates. I want to be the one my father delights in. Now, here's why this is so important. Because the very next verse says, Then the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. If you are not founded on who you are, who's your, and how he feels about you, you will spend your life being pulled left, right, and center, and bullied and tempted by the devil right out of making an impact for the kingdom. You will spend your life being bullied and pulled, bullied and pulled. And you will find that you keep waking up and going, I wish I could make a difference for God, but I just don't. Because you're not established. You know, let me tell you how this works out. My blood father, so I keep telling you about my stepfather. My blood father had multiple affairs. And um, the first time I met him, I was 28. And I was sitting on one side of the table. He was sitting on the other side of the table. And he sat down and he went like this. Now, the only other person I know who sits like this is me. And I met him for the first time. And in that moment, I realized genetics shape people. And I thought to myself, I don't want to be like him. Now, how many of you have heard or met or are a person who went, I don't want to be like my parents? And you landed up like your parents. Okay? So I knew that. I've seen this story. I don't want to be an alcoholic but I land up an alcoholic. I don't want to be abusive, but I land up. I've watched this story enough times, and I just went, I don't want to be a person who breaks his family. And God put into my heart, this verse from 1 Peter 1.18, it says, I have redeemed you from the empty inheritance you received from your ancestors. And the price I paid was not silver and gold, but the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And he put it straight into my spirit. And I went from that moment, this generational curse ends right here because I have a word inside of me. Identity determines destiny. Friends, there are so many people. You being shaken, we had Black Lives Matter. And then all the whites got upset with the blacks and the blacks got upset with the whites and the Indians and coloreds laughed at both of them. And, and we, we got shaken. Why? Because our identity was in our color and not in what Christ said about us. And then we had me too. And all the men got defensive and all the women went, out. it's about time. And everybody had good points, mostly the women. But we got so shaken. Why? Because our identity was in our gender and not in what Jesus says about us. And now we've got LGBTQ and everybody is like, oh, what are we going to do? Just get your identity from Christ. Let him tell you what, who you are. And what you will find is that you will have greater love for people than you could ever imagine. And you'll stop being so stupidly defensive. These next three weeks, we're going to speak 
to black, white, Indian, colored. We're going to speak to race. And here's the message. You need your identity in Christ because then race is a blessing. The next week is going to be about gender. And you need to get your identity firmly, deeply entrenched in Christ because then gender is beautiful. And the week after that, it's going to be about sexual preference. And you need to get your identity in Jesus Christ because then how you love is beautiful. And if you will do that, you will change. Because how you see yourself determines how you act. And how you act will determine how people will treat you. And how people will treat you will reinforce what you believe about yourself. And you will go into a cycle of grace. I want to pray for some people. We sang that song, that beautiful song of sons coming home, welcome home. When we talk about sons, we mean sons and daughters. It's like a bad Greek. Greek, the word, can be used for daughters or sons. There are sons who are living in the kingdom as slaves. The older son says, I have slaved for you. All this time, you didn't give me a goat. Because he didn't know the father's approval. And the younger son didn't live out of his identity, and so off he went into the world and squandered it. And some of you are squandering what God has put into you. You're living for all the stuff the world would call you to live for. And I want to call you home. I want to call you back to the Father to tell you who you are and whose you are and work in your life. We're going to have someone come up for worship. And I've been emo all through both these preachers. In fact, I don't know how I'm going to make it through tonight. But this is what I believe. The spirit of sonship by which we cry, Abba, Father. It's a spirit of intimacy. The Holy Spirit is going to come on some people's lives as we pray today. As you say, sorry, God, I've lived like a slave trying to earn your approval. Or I'm sorry, God, I have lived in the world trying to make my own destiny. You come back and go, I'm not going to let the world define me anymore. Father, I want your voice. I want you to shape me. I believe some people are literally going to experience the Holy Spirit. It's going to shift you. So can I ask that you stand? I just have a sense in my heart. There are some people. You're going, yeah, this works for you, but not for me. feel like God is going, no, today's for you. If you will just accept me in faith, today's for you. So if you need to come home, whatever mess you've made, why don't you just lift up your hands and we're going to pray, Lord Jesus, we want to come back to the Father. We don't want to be defined by the posts on social media. God, we want to be defined by your voice and what you say. Lord, we don't want to be shaken by 
every wind of thought and culture and thinking, God, we want to be shaped by you. We want to be solidly grounded in you. We want to experience your voice that says, this is my son whom I love, with whom I'm well pleased. I'm going to do something I, I haven't done, but I need to do it right now because there are some of your hearts that are blocked by Satan. And so I bind the voice of the enemy and the spirit that comes to dull their senses. And I declare in the name of Jesus Christ that the eyes of their understanding will be enlightened by the spirit and they will come alive, come alive, come alive, come alive. In the name of Jesus Christ, come alive. Some of you come alive in Jesus' name. May the Lord rebuke you, Satan. May the power of the Holy Spirit come over his children and set them free. Come alive in Jesus' name. Now I declare the Spirit of the Sovereign God come upon people and fill their hearts with your Spirit that they might call out, Abba, Father, and know your voice. In Jesus' name. Justy's going to play for a little longer. If you want to just kind of sit in, in this, you're welcome to. If you want to go, that's great too. But I pray that your hearts are filled with His love. May God bless you.